Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on November 11th, 2022 from A.T. Shire's home. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features an in-depth recap of election 2022, with moments from election night, initial analysis of the Republican blowout by SC GOP Chairman Drew McKissick, and Winthrop University political science professor Scott Huffman. We also look at what this means for the upcoming legislative session and 2024. Also, speaking of the legislature, the abortion bill that lawmakers have spent the last five or so months on is officially dead. We got the drama which played out in the Senate the day after election day. Also, we always want to hear from y'all. That's why we have a voicemail box set up so you guys can send us a message at 803-563-7169. We are post-election day. We are barreling towards Thanksgiving and the holiday season. We would love to hear from you guys. Send us a message with your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is low according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For the week ending November 5th, there were 4,087 new cases of COVID-19 and six new deaths. On average, 220 South Carolinians were hospitalized with COVID-19, 26 were in intensive care, and 10 were on ventilators. Right now, 53.5% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. And a little flu update here. Flu activity in our state remains widespread with 6,101 lab-confirmed cases of the flu for the week ending November 5th. That eclipsed the week before, so things are still very hot, very heavy when it comes to the flu in our state. Influenza-like illnesses were also incredibly high, according to DHEC's weekly flu report. There have been 10 deaths so far this season, and 246 people were hospitalized with the flu last week. There have also been four monkeypox cases reported from the week prior. Now, all of these viruses have vaccinations available to help prevent or lessen the symptoms of infection. You can find all the resources you need to keep yourself safe and healthy at scdhec.gov. Nationally, the predicted midterm election red wave turned out to be a red ripple. But in South Carolina, it indeed was still a wave. A wave in a wave pool. No surprise that South Carolina is solidly Republican, unlike our neighbors North Carolina and Georgia. And recent redistricting has ensured that even more so. See the 1st Congressional District. But in South Carolina, that wave was the strongest it's ever been. With huge margins for Republicans running statewide and in the closely watched 1st Congressional District down there in the Lowcountry. South Carolina Republican Party Chairman Drew McKissick told reporters on Wednesday about the party's operation to strengthen statewide turnout, flip some statehouse seats, and also how they flip some offices at the local level and the importance of straight ticket voting. 27 point pickup on straight ticket, 10 more than again in 2020. And I'll also point out that when you do the math, 60% of all the Republican ballots that got cast yesterday were straight-ticket Republican voters, 60%, which speaks to the strength of the party and the importance to our candidates and our nominees of actually getting on the ticket. Uh, Cases like Ellen Weaver, again, she benefited greatly from the straight-ticket effect. Those uh, statehouse seats I just mentioned benefited greatly from that. They can become our nominee, get on our ticket, 
we push for straight ticket support all around the state, have been doing that in the last several cycles, uh, and that's taken off. And I think that's also attributed to a lot of conservatives in our state um, you know, who may have considered themselves conservative Democrats in the past and independents uh, who've begun to think of themselves as Republicans now. And not only have they been you know, voting maybe Republican for president or for Congress and then maybe Democrat at the local level because you know, they go to church with somebody or they're related to somebody who may be on county council or what have you, uh, that now they're thinking of themselves as Republicans. They're actually pushing that straight ticket button. And again, that's invaluable support for our candidates up and down the ticket. Um, and lastly, you know, how did we get all this done? So look at some of the campaign mechanics here. Uh, first off, this was the largest ground game for get out the vote in the history of the South Carolina Republican Party for a midterm election. Five times bigger than anything we've ever done in a midterm. Uh, since July of this year, we've knocked on over 137,000 doors. Uh, and for comparison purposes, in 2018, we knocked on 15,000. So if that gives you a comparison for the last midterm election. We made 333,000 phone calls, uh, sent 654,000 text messages, um, and we also sent uh, over 2 million pieces of get-out-the-vote mail. So that was Drew McKissick there with the SCGOP. But meanwhile, I haven't heard anything from the South Carolina Democratic Party about having a major ground game operation at all. Rather, I saw a tweet from Democratic State Representative Jermaine Johnson that said, quote, no doubt in my mind that the SCDP and all county Democratic parties and groups need to have a come to Jesus meeting immediately. There needs to be some major shakeups, quote. Let's look at some results from election night. Governor Henry McMaster and Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett defeated Democrats Joe Cunningham and Tally Casey by 17 points. Republican Ellen Weaver defeated Democrat Lisa Ellis by 16 points for the superintendent of education spot. First Congressional District Republican incumbent Nancy Mace defeated Democrat Dr. Annie Andrews by 14 points. And Tim Scott, who was announced the winner over Democrat Crystal Matthews for another U.S. Senate term within a minute of polls closing, won his second full term by 26 points. For McKissick, the message these results sent was clear. It was a resounding rejection of the Democrats' message here in South Carolina. You know, we've seen them go, you know, woke crazy nationally. Uh, and it is turning regular Americans off. Uh, they didn't focus on the issues that were relevant and important to people. Uh, that turns people off. And then, you know, again, here with uh, you know, the candidate they had for governor, we're spending all this time uh, trying to talk about legalizing marijuana, legalizing gambling, and abortion on demand. Uh, you know, those things are not relevant to South Carolinians. That's not going to move votes or win a campaign. And it was a solid rejection of the Democrats' message in South Carolina. In the State House, Republicans flipped five House districts held by Ann Parks, Kimberly Johnson, Shardell Murray, Crystal Matthews, and Shedron Williams. And redistricting helped them win another three district seats. However, Democrat Heather Bauer picked off 10-year Columbia incumbent Republican Kirkman Finley by 235 votes. That was a big upset that night. Now the makeup of the House is now 88 Republicans and 36 Democrats. For further analysis, I spoke with Winthrop University political science professor Scott Huffman on This Week in South Carolina about what the results meant to him. Well, you know, there's a lot of things uh, going on there. South Carolina nominally, uh, as the last McMaster's last election showed, should be about a Republican plus 10 state, more or less. And to double up expectation shows both a strong Republican, a strong incumbent candidate, 
but also uh, just you know not the the best campaigning on Joe Cunningham's end. Joe Cunningham you know ran a campaign where he tried to make McMaster's age. Uh, an issue where, you know, he tried to make same-sex marriage an issue, which is not something that is as strongly uh, uh, held as an issue in South Carolina. And the economy is going fairly well in South Carolina. I mean, recession or uh, the inflation is hitting everybody, but then that's hung around Joe Biden's neck, not Henry McMaster. So Henry McMaster had some wins in the economy he could tout and take credit for, things that are going bad with the economy. He could hang around the neck of Joe Biden. Uh, he's fairly popular uh, among the general population, very popular among his Republican base. There were just a not, not a lot of people who found anything to grasp on in Joe Cunningham's campaign as to why they needed to heave McMaster out the door. And in turn, they reelected him by a massive margin. And Scott, we saw that two play on the first congressional district two down there in the low country with Nancy Mace winning her second term there over Dr. Annie Andrews, the Democratic nominee. Uh, you know, that was one of the districts that they really shored up. State lawmakers really shored up in the new congressional maps that we saw pass this year. Of course, they're still in the courts, but that map is still in play. Uh, we saw Lynn Teague with the League of Women Voters saying that uh, this is basically what they wanted to see happen. We saw Nancy Mace win by 14 points last night versus uh, her beating Joe Cunningham by 1.6 points in 2020. So really a swing there, but also in line with what we're seeing statewide. Right, this, you know, the, the red flooding in South Carolina was showed up in the low country for sure. But as you pointed out, that district was really not that favorable to a Democrat. Lightning had to, to strike in a, kind of in a bottle for a Democrat to win. And that's what happened for Joe Cunningham. Um, the incumbent Republican, Mark Sanford, lost uh, in his primary. He got an inexperienced or less experienced candidate um, uh, who had some issues that low country voters were not fond of, like offshore drilling. And those were kind of things that came together to help Joe Cunningham. And then he had the incumbency uh, advantage going on, which meant when he lost, as you would actually expect to happen in the first district, he only lost by a small amount. Well, that was a little too close for comfort for the Republicans in the state legislature. So the gerrymandering, the redrawing of the district lines brought in some more Republican voters, made that seat safer. And between incumbency advantage, um, a strong Republican turnout and a safer Republican district, Nancy Mace performed extremely well. Really quickly, Scott, I want to talk about 2024. A lot of those potential candidates. We're talking about the Nikki Haley's, the Tim Scott's, Tim Scott, who easily won re-election to his final six-year term in the Senate, uh, saying that that was his last year. But now they're going to have to answer this question like, oh, we're no longer focused on making sure folks get re-elected or elected in 2022. The focus is now on 2024. So what are they going to be saying now? How are they going to be dealing with this question when folks start hounding them? Well, I, I haven't looked yet, but I need to go look and see the candidates that Nikki Haley traveled to stump for, how they did overall. We know she's been visiting Iowa. We know Tim Scott has a uh, political action committee that is set up in a way that can bring money in if he decides to, to run for president, although he is being extremely coy and Nikki Haley's not saying anything, but it's all but obvious she's running. The, the real question becomes, 
how and when do they jump in and how much of it depends on what Donald Trump is going to say. We already know Trump sees uh, DeSantis from Florida as a threat because he's already come up with a nickname. And that is the sure sign that Trump sees someone as a threat when he comes up with a derogatory nickname. So the, the race is on since we saw Trump's influence was not what the Republican Party thought it might be in this past midterm election. And so 2024 just opened up a bit. And before we move on to what happened with abortion in the Statehouse, I want to include this clip from our election night coverage. I had University of South Carolina Political Science Department Chair Professor Kirk Randazzo in studio with me, providing real-time analysis of results. And I asked him about recent comments House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn said when he said, quote, What I see here are parallels to what the history was in this world back in the 1930s, in Germany, in Italy. Quote, here's what Randazzo had to say about that take. Clyburn has no problem sort of throwing elbows against people of his own party, let alone people of the other part, the, the Republican Party. And so, for example, when the progressive caucus in, in the Democratic Party wanted to change how police departments were funded, and that got labeled defund the police, Clyburn came out against them and said that is absolutely the wrong message mm-hmm. to send. And the, the moderate majority of America absolutely agreed with Clyburn. Now he's talking about democracy. And, and I think there's a lot that, that he, a, a lot of the points that he is raising are things that people should sit up and take notice about. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the first time ever, we did not have a peaceful transfer of power from one presidency to another. That is a big deal. And the fact that 300 candidates in the Republican Party are campaigning openly that Joe Biden was not legitimately elected president, that's a very scary thing. And as a political scientist that studies how democracies can fall to authoritarianism, this is exactly how it's done. And we've seen this in other countries around the world. And to think that the United States is even remotely on that path and potentially squarely on that path really is a cause for concern. Okay, let's pivot to the state house. The abortion bill we've spent months covering met its predictable death on Wednesday, with house negotiators not even showing their faces after insisting on their extreme bill, a bill that never passed the Senate and never could pass. Nevertheless, House Republicans, led by Greenwood's John McCravey, persisted. Here is McCravey talking with Senate Majority Leader Shane Massey in the conference committee meeting before the Senate went into session on Wednesday. All right. Senator, I, I did have one, one comment, and I certainly could comment a lot more, but I did want to say that when we started this process in the House, uh, our goal was not to just pass anything we could get through. Our goal was to was to look at a new law for South Carolina that recognized that life begins at conception. And the whole idea of the ad hoc committee that we started with uh, was to recognize that. So uh, we passed that in the House, and I know the Senate passed it through their committees that way. And it's still our goal to pass it pass a law that makes a difference in South Carolina. We already have the heartbeat bill. Passing it again won't help. 
Uh, it'll probably put it off for another four months or so while the Supreme Court dismisses the current litigation that we have and takes up litigation with the new law that we pass. We need a ruling on the right of privacy. I think it would be detrimental to pass the heartbeat bill again with some tweaks to it uh, at this time. So that's, that's the reason uh, that I believe we should still try our best to do what we can do to advance the cause of life. I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I, I, we've tried. I mean, we started where essentially where, where you were. We tried to tweak it a little bit. The votes weren't there. Um, and so I guess the question is, are we going to pass something or are we going to pass nothing? They ended up passing nothing. But first, the conference committee passed out a version of H5399 to the Senate that did not clarify rape as an exception and also did not allow for abortion exceptions for fatal fetal anomaly, unlike what the Senate previously passed, which House Republicans rejected as not being restrictive enough. In the Senate on Wednesday, Georgetown Republican Senator Stephen Goldfinch stood up to ask the obvious of Anderson Republican Senator Richard Cash, who was speaking about the bill for nearly an hour on the Senate floor. So is it my understanding that the swing votes you need that admittedly want the fatal fetal anomaly, you don't believe there's any way to get there? 31 votes, Senator, in, in a body that only has 30 Republicans, six of whom would not vote cloture in September. I don't see how we get to 31. So this debate is essentially over, right? I mean, we need to take a vote. Senator, I would agree with you. The bill predictably failed, and the three Senate members went back to conference committee. But the three House members, McCravey, Tommy Pope, and Democrat Spencer Wetmore, didn't show up. McCravey said earlier that he had a family engagement and wasn't planning on sticking around for the Senate debate and vote on the day his bill was going through the Senate, a bill he has been pushing for months. He had something else to do. Needless to say, Senate Majority Leader Shane Massey called BS. I'm just warning you in advance. I can't hang around all day today, and I, I just can't I don't be think it'll here. Be so. all, it won't be all day. We'll, well, we'll be done by probably 11, 30, 12 o'clock. I understand, but, but I've got something I've got to attend to, and I can't stay. <laughs> so, Well, uh, and I think we all know this isn't the first time you've heard it. because It's the first time I've heard anybody say we were coming back It today. might be the first time you've heard it publicly. But I, think, no, but I think everybody, uh, I, I think y'all knew very well that that was what my plan would be. Instead of accepting a stronger six-week ban bill passed by the Senate in early September, House Republicans continued to push for a near total ban. It failed and failed again, which Senate Majority Leader Massey saw coming ever since his chamber was unable to pass that restrictive House bill back in September. His frustration was palpable on the Senate floor Wednesday after House conferees stood him and other members up for 30-plus minutes. For those, those on the left, those Democrats who were hoping that we weren't going to pass anything, the Planned Parenthood folks and others, the House conferees have helped you because the reason we're not going to pass anything is because the House conferees left. That frustrates me. I was hopeful that we could do something, not just because I wanted to pass something for a win. I don't appreciate that. I'm not interested in that. I wanted to pass something that was going to advance the ball and save some more lives. Didn't go as far as what I wanted to go, but it was going to be something. Right? And I, I think saving any lives isn't minuscule. But you can't do it when the House won't even talk to you. 
Massey said that he thought there was a long shot at a conception ban if there were exceptions in the bill back in September. But at this point, the approach to abortion needs to change if anything restrictive is going to pass in the future, he said. Re-election for all 46 Senate members is right around the corner in 2024, but he issued a blunt advisory to senators and pretty much all lawmakers who may be worried about how their votes are perceived. Own it or don't bother running. His speech went on for some 30 minutes and it got real. He recounted how pro-life supporters have said he isn't pro-life enough, that he's going to hell, and isn't a Christian. Take a listen. But I'll tell you that if we want to move the ball forward, the whole effort has to change. Because I don't care how it's been done for 50 years, there's been a lot of progress. But if the effort now is, it's fire and brimstone, and if if you're not with us on every single issue, then we're going to take you out. So be it. There are people out there who think I like this job a lot more than I actually do. Because I'll, I'll tell y'all, I did, after June, I didn't want to see y'all again this year. Most of you shouldn't take that personally. But look, if that's what voters have, if that's what they do, that's what they do. Right? Everybody in here knows this is going to be an issue in the election in 24. So be it. Right? If you can't defend how you vote, then you shouldn't be here. And if you truly believe it and you get beat because of something you truly believe, then that's okay. That's how the process works. Right? But there is no way to do legislation if the two bodies won't talk. And we're in a position right now where the House won't even talk to us. And so for those who wanted to advance the cause of life, I don't know what else to do. But as we've talked about before, lawmakers will once again take up abortion in January. Where it will go now, the House Republicans have shot themselves in the foot and obliterated any credibility or goodwill with the Senate, it's hard to say, especially when those bicameral relationships have always been a bit frosty. But this episode definitely did not help. However, Senate members are up for re-election in 2024, and we still need to see what the state Supreme Court does and what lawmakers may need to remedy following their ruling. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. Tell us what's going on in your world. It's November. It's getting dark. It's rainy outside right now. It's really miserable. My house is very close to blowing down right now. We are battening down the hatches. Yeah, the hatches battened. They've been battened. Okay, they've been battened. Uh, And Gavin, yes, we have, we do have a hotline that we need people to call into. The hotline is open. Okay. Operators are standing by 803-563-7169. Thank you. Yes, I need these calls, people. Okay, my foot still hurt. It needs the calls. Keep it. Yeah, keep the foot alive. We turn it into pure serums and Mm. I I, I rub it. We distill the voicemails into serums for AT. (laughs) A salve. It is a nice, nice salve that I need. So... Uh, if you cared at all about how I feel, if you, you care would, about me, you would you would call. Uh, anyway, Gavin, we got a nice uh, call here, nice little short call, a and bomb. It, it is oh, I have a bomb, and it is <laughs> it is very apropos to what we were talking about today. So, mm-hmm. are you ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. Hi, my name is Michelle, and I called to say that my mother is alive today because she got treatment for an ectopic pregnancy. And that is something that I think about now that I want children. 
But how can I trust that I can have good health care if life-saving medicine is no longer available? Anyway, have a great day. Bye. Michelle, thanks for calling and sharing your story. Now, while we focused on South Carolina in this episode, we didn't mention the five states that had abortion access on the ballot. Mm. And a lot of folks felt the same way that you do too, Michelle. So uh, a lot of changes there too when it comes to abortion access across the country. We're going to talk more about that in next Tuesday's podcast as well. So a lot going on there, a lot of things happening on Election Day. Yes, thank you so much for calling, Gavin. You survived Election Day. Oh, my gosh. Election night. Two hours like. of me talking straight. <laughs> yes. Which I think, actually, you know, having done three debates prior to that, I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. And the Election Night's a lot more fun yeah. than, like, the you the rigid debate. At like, least there's, like, something are. around the corner that you're waiting to see, like, results, results. It's a results show, honestly, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, kind of expected. So you're always just kind of trying to understand and and uh, look at the different margins that people won by mm-hmm. and try and get a little bit more. Exit polling is is always interesting, what people went in there for, why they voted the way they did. Just trying to understand about. what's going on with the voters. You know, <laughs> yeah. we get that every two years. We get a little pulse check. And you we, you we and Kirk were more. great there. Oh, I was having so, so much fun. Tossing it to Mayan was fun. Oh, yeah. she. I mean, she was having a great time. <laughs> Our special guest, Mayan, checked her in the state. Friend I, of I, the pod, I, well, yeah. I just love that we could actually hear her and like poor Thalisha and Victoria oh, yeah. at those watch parties. The, it's like, oh. The, the, I truly believe that the DJs at watch parties mm. need to cool it a little bit. Hey, you know? yeah, chill out, baby. They, We're doing I, live hits here. I mean, here. they want live hits at their things, right? Yeah. And they're just blasting a celebration, you know? Mm-hmm. You're just like, all right, calm, calm down. I, I I literally cannot hear myself or, or Gavin. Also an oversight on our part was not giving them the play-by-play headphones and mics <laughs> yeah, because those so. would have been... Yeah, that, that's true. Because, <laughs> I mean, we're going to have to have that for the inauguration because it gets loud out there. It gets nuts, there. yeah, I know. Like last inauguration, you had to cue me, and I guess we got cued too early. We had to redo it again. It was the most traumatic yeah. live experience I've had to date. That was one of my first, uh, not even just one of my first television gigs mm-hmm. as as a cueer. All I was doing was cueing. But uh, I also had not done live television to that point. And so I was just cueing poor Gavin and Russ McKinney But like you didn't know. I mean, they t- <laughs> they told you to do it. Oh, I know. Yeah. And, and then I was, it was like, oh, do it again. I was, <laughs> and I'm like, but I had such a good, I I had such a good oh, intro. Yeah, I did so good. I was also a bodyguard because uh, everyone oh God, was like. to walk through the yeah, live shot. Everyone wanted to walk through this live shot. And I had to turn away the sick, the poor, the elderly. And I was like, I am so sorry, but you cannot walk The here. complete opposite of Ellis Island was A.T. <laughs> Shire yes. on the state house grounds. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. I mean, we have a whole setup here with three people and cameras in a like a gym, and it's like, how can I walk through here? There was also tons of room to walk around it, but no, people wanted to walk straight through this. I want to walk on the mulch. I want to walk on the mulch. But yeah, stay tuned for uh, inauguration special in early January. Hopefully we have some nice weather again, too. Yeah, hopefully it's not too cold. Oh, yeah, 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 I know. Uh, anyway, Gavin, something that we wanted to talk about here is is you experienced something where you went in with expectations to something and it didn't meet. And, mm-hmm. and so... so Like what, every day I wake up. Like every moment of your life. So, Gavin, what, what was it? Let's talk about uh, it. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay, yeah, let's unpack this. This I, is a seminal movie in many people's lives. 
lot. A lot of people are obsessed with it. I love a good cult classic as well. Same. I love a cult classic. And it's been on my list. I've just never been moved to watch it. Sure. Nothing's ever triggered me. I'm like, oh, finally I got to watch it. It's not exactly an oversight in your life, but it's just never called to you in the way it's called I'm to so many people. I'm aware of its presence. Yes, but yeah, same. I mean, if it was on and it just it was on and I was with people, I'd be like, okay, let's watch this. And sure. I need to watch this. But, but we were at a, a Halloween party with producer Sean. Yes. And The nice one. It came up. Someone was doing a dance to the one of the songs, yes. the Time Warp, which I'm also aware of. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also like, ugh, okay. Like, uh-huh. and then Sean's like, hey, here, take the Blu-ray, go watch it. Well, it was very nice of him to give it to me. I just sat in bed the next day anyway, watching it on HBO Max. Gavin is also a, a, against Blu-ray. Oh my god, I'm so anti-Blu-ray. Anyway, that's a different wind down. Whole different wind down. <laughs> So, Gavin, you watched this movie. I watched it, and I was just like, what is the point of this movie? I feel the same way. There's, It's just a lot of set pieces with no real plot and song and dance. I get that it was probably pretty mind-blowing and revolutionary for the time in the late 70s. Sure, sure. Gender bending and all that stuff. But at the same time, I was like, okay, well, I get that. But where is this going? Yes. Why is this such a huge classic? Yep. I know. And I feel. I feel the same way about it, and I and I'm like sad, you know, because mm-hmm. obviously you were it piqued your interest again because someone was so into it they did the dance, hundred percent, you know. And there are so many people that they dress up and go at at midnight to go yeah, see yeah. midnight showings and stuff, and like. I just, I don't get it at all. And I get, we get some of those movies. Like, I love me some Clue. I love The Room. Sure, like, I sure, love those sure. kinds of the movies. The Room is amazing, yeah. But this one, I was just like, I, I'm not getting it. Yeah. And it wasn't for lack of trying because I wanted to keep it as far away from hype as possible. And sure. I wanted it to be you an wanted organic the hype, experience. You wanted the hype to die down for uh, 50 years before you watched it. <laughs> then I got to it. I was ready for it. And then... Yeah, really sad. That's, it's like when uh, Clark cuts into the turkey in Christmas Vacation. And it just... <laughs> that's sad. Well, I, there's the heart. If anyone else can think of anything that's like seminal and everyone else is like, if you, did you not or like... Or if you were let down by yeah. something. What what was it? like? And don't say this podcast because I swear to God, we're not going to play it. But like, it. like does, does, do you know someone who doesn't like Jurassic Park? You know what Oof. I mean? Like, that's the type of stuff that I want to... That's what that I want to was... hear about. So revolutionary. I mean, the best. It was uh, not, amazing. Uh, not only just for cinema, but for the the SUV. I mean, the Ford Explorer. <laughs> it made the floor, Ford Explorer. And they're actually in Columbia. Gavin and I have seen it around town. Yeah. There's someone with a Jurassic Park. Gas-powered Jeep. Gas-powered Jeep. and <laughs> Not just a car, a gas-powered if, car. <laughs> if anyone knows who that person is, please have please them call, call in. Okay? We want to know. So call in. Let us know the movies that didn't live up to the hype for you. Yeah. Let us know if you own this Jeep. Okay? What, are you, what are you watching on these dreary fall days now? <laughs> yeah, when, when the sun goes down at 4.15 in the, in the afternoon, Meg. Meg. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, uh, have a good weekend, everyone. Enjoy your Veterans Day. And uh, yes, thank you for all who served. Thank you, Um, members of my family, members of your family, everyone that keeps America great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you can do your part by giving us a shout, like Michelle, give us a shout at 803 563 7169. Like we said, the days are getting darker and shorter. You're probably under a pile of blankets right now. Reach for the phone. Give us a shout. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. And the final episode of South of Spooky is out, folks. We couldn't have done it without you. It's been months, years, some would say, in the making. 
It's out. Don't worry, a second season's right around the corner in another two years. <laughs> For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. And watch out if you're going south of Spooky. <laughs> There's one under the hallway. There's one in the hallway. There's one in the hallway. Is it big or small? Mm, has a fluffy tail. Chippy, where are you? Chippy, let your presence be known. 